You're listening to a sermon delivered at First Family Church in Ankeny, Iowa. For more information and sermons, visit our website at firstfamily.church. Well, this morning we are privileged to have uh, Mel Walker speak for us. He was here doing some training with our youth. Uh, He has an inside track. He's Travis's father. (laughs) So it worked out great having him come. He's head of Vision for Youth, so he's got decades of experience in youth work, preaching, um, ministry, and so he just, we said, hey, will you stay over and preach for us? And so um, he said he'd be glad to. So we're honored today to have Mel Walker preach for us. Mel, come, enjoy these people. I know they're going to enjoy you. Help me welcome Mel Walker to our platform, would you? Well, good morning, everyone, and thank you for the great privilege to uh, be here at First Family Church. And uh, I just want to say on behalf of my family, my wife Peggy and, and the rest of our family to, uh, to you, thanks for taking care of our kids. It's a joy to know that, uh, that they're part, Travis and Casey and their family are part of a loving church family. And honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I just want to say, say thank you to you for how you've taken care of our children and, and uh, our family and our grandkids. And uh, it is amazing at this stage of our lives how many trips take us uh, near grandchildren. It's amazing how that is. And uh, again, I want to just say thank you for how you've taken care of our family and how you've uh, blessed them. And uh, Pastor Todd, thank you for the great privilege to be here at First Family, to be back. Uh, we've visited here a few times. My wife and I live in uh, northeastern Pennsylvania, so it is a little bit of, uh, of a drive here to Ankeny, but uh, we have uh, quite a bit of Iowa roots. My wife actually grew up in Waterloo, and uh, her family, after a while, moved to uh, West Des Moines area. And then, in fact, our family, my family, lived here in Ankeny back in the 80s. And my goodness, Ankeny was a different town back then. And I can't believe it. I think we moved out and Ankeny started to grow. Maybe it was something like that. But, uh, again, we, I'm thankful for uh, uh, my Iowa roots and, how again, taking care of the, our family and the opportunity to be back. And I do bring you greetings from our family And appreciate your prayers as I'm traveling back, driving back. My wife and daughter, I'll tell you a little bit about our family. Uh, Peggy, again, she's she's an Iowa girl. And uh, she and my daughter, Christy, Christy is a missionary in Berlin, Germany. And uh, she is home this year on a little bit of a furlough that has to do with uh, taxes, German and American taxes and Social Security and that kind of thing. So they are also traveling this weekend. And uh, they're on their way through different spots in New England. So we will catch up later on with, I will catch up later on with Peggy and Christy. And so and Travis also has an older brother who is a pastor in northeastern Pennsylvania. And so I, I just want to say as I get started that I uh, absolutely agree with the Apostle John who wrote, there's no greater joy than to have your children walk in truth, right? And I'm very, very thankful that all three of our, ch- our children uh, serve the Lord. They're all in vocational ministry. That's a God thing. And uh, my goodness, we pray every day for our grandkids that they'll grow up and go on for God as well. But that's a little bit about me, about my family. I do represent an organization called Vision for Youth, which is an international network of youth ministry. And as Pastor Todd said, I've had a chance to be involved in that ministry for a long, long time. Please take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Psalm 18. Psalm 18, and I want to talk with you about sources of comfort during difficult times, or really our source, which is Christ, which is God, 
but we're going to talk about in this psalm about some things that uh, we can do about that, some action steps, if you will. So Psalm 18, Psalm uh, 18 is a song, we're going to talk more about that in a moment, but I want to just take a moment as we begin to read the passage to you. I'm going to be reading Psalm 18, and I'm going to read from verse 1 down through verse 19, and then we'll stop there. Uh, again, we're talking about our source of comfort during difficult times, and sometimes even incredibly difficult times. We'll talk about that today from this psalm, which again is a song in a lot of ways it teaches us about prayer. We'll talk uh, a little bit about that in a minute, but let me read Psalm 18, and this morning I am reading actually from the New King James Version. Psalm 18, let me read first 19 verses. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield in the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and so shall I be saved from my enemies. Verse 4 says, the pangs of death surrounded me. And the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol or the grave surrounded me and the stairs of death confronted me. Verse 6, in my distress I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. And he heard my voice from his temple and, his, and my cry came before him even to his ears. Verse 7, then the earth shook and trembled, the foundations of the hills also quaked and were shaken because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub and flew. And he flew upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. His canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him, his thick clouds passed with hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. Hailstones and coals of fire. He sent out his arrows and scattered the foe. Lightnings in abundance, and he vanquished them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world were uncovered at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. He sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters, he delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me, they confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord it was my support, and he brought me in, out into a broad place, he delivered me because he delighted in me. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. That's our text. I want to just share with you some things about that. But before I do, please let me pray and pray with me that the Lord will bless his word and our message this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is uh, chuck full of instructions and guidance. And, and out of that, even in this psalm, we can gain, gain hope. It's a song, it's a reaction, and David uh, certainly needed to learn the lesson that he can and should cry out to you, and God, we go through difficult times in life, 
And then, Father, help us today to learn that lesson, even as we face difficulties, to cry out to you, to call to you, to know who that we can cry to, and, and help us to also see in our lives, it may not look exactly the same as this psalm or as this song, but help us to understand, God, that you will indeed release the very resources of heaven uh, for us, and you do that um, often in our lives, and we praise you and thank you for doing that. Father, thank you for your word. And God, my prayer is that my heart and our hearts this morning would be open and receptive to what you have for us from your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, it's been a few years ago now. I was uh, in my office one morning, and that morning I uh, saw a copy of the USA Today newspaper. You've all seen it somewhere along the line. Probably. You know how the USA Today newspaper has often graphics on the front and uh, little colored boxes and so on. And that particular morning, one of those boxes had, and this was a few years ago now, but it actually had, and I don't even remember why to tell you the story this morning, but it had the phone number of the White House in Washington, D.C., I don't know how many people called the White House on a typical day. I don't know how many people called the White House that day. But I decided that morning I'm going to call the White House. I did. I don't, again, I don't know how many, um, how many people called. I don't know why it was in the paper. I don't remember that. But I decided I was going to call the White House. I dialed the number from my office. And uh, I am not kidding you. A lady answers the phone. I don't even know. That had to be, that had to be odd as well, right? She said, Good morning, this is the White House, may I help you? And so I said, yes, may I speak to the president, please? <laughs> Even telling you the story this morning, you're not going to believe what happened. I'm just telling you, you're not going to believe it. And so I figured I had to start with a wow story, Pastor Ty. I, I, you're not going to believe what happened. The number was in the paper. Again, I don't know how many people on a typical day call the White House. I don't even know, other than that, where you find the number, and I didn't save it. So I can't text it to you this morning, the number of the White House. I don't know what that number is. But I called. The lady answered the phone, and you're not going to believe what happened. All I said, all I said was, good morning. Uh, may I speak to the president, please? You're not going to believe what happened. I mean, the number was in the paper. I don't know how many people called. But you're not going to believe what happened. I'm just telling you. I can tell by your faces. You're not going to believe what happened. You're not going to believe it. I, just, I know you're not going to believe what happened. They wouldn't let me talk to them. In fact, later on that day when the guys in the dark suits showed up, no, I'm just kidding about that. Um, I don't know how many people called the White House. I don't know how many people. They kind of wanted to know what I wanted to do with them, but they wouldn't let me talk to the White House. So I figured, okay, I'm on a roll that day. They're not going to let me talk to the president. I am a Pennsylvania resident. I was born in Pennsylvania. I was raised in Pennsylvania. So I decided I'm going to try the governor of Pennsylvania the same day. Uh, that number I had to look up, and it was the governor's mansion in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And so I decided to call the, the uh, governor's mansion in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And I got through that day as well. A guy answered the phone, and I said to him, uh, good morning, may I speak to the governor, please? You're not going to believe what happened. They wouldn't let me talk to him either. I decided, okay, I'm not done. I'm going to talk to somebody. I'm a very lonely guy. Um, I decided I'm going to try the mayor of my town, Clark's Summit, P 
Pennsylvania. I had to look that number up, and I called, and I said, may I speak to the mayor? I found out he doesn't even work there. I mean, who knew? Folks, here's the point. I can't talk to the president. I don't know him, and that was even a different president then. I can't talk to the governor of my state. I don't know him. I can't talk to the mayor of my town. I, he didn't even work there. Um, <laughs> but at any moment of any day, I can talk to the God of the universe, right? We can go over their heads. The God who the Bible says sets up kings and takes down kings. I can talk to God because I know him, because of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a relationship with God, and it's in this passage that I read to you, and we're going to take a look at a few things from this, there are some very difficult times that David was going through. There were some enemies, there were some enemies, there was times of distress, and I think David had to learn that lesson that during those times that we need to know who can we call, who can we call out to, who will help us, and I think God taught David the lesson that we can always call Almighty God. We can talk to the Lord of the universe. And if you have that kind of relationship with God, then you understand that, right? You understand what it is to be able to pray and get the undivided attention of the God of the universe. And this psalm talks with uh, us a little bit about that. And I want you to notice a couple things as we get started this morning from this psalm. I don't know what copy of the scriptures you have with you uh, electronically or hard copy or whatever, but often in Psalms, and it does here in this chapter in Psalm 18, uh, again, I'm reading from New King James this morning, but you'll notice that, that before the psalm actually, the song actually begins, there's a little bit of an introductory paragraph. Let me read that for you from my Bible. It says this, Psalm 18, the beginning says this, to the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord. I love that, the servant idea of how that's what God gave us to do is to serve him. And then it says, a servant of the Lord who spoke to the Lord, he prayed, called the Lord the words of this song on the day the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies in the hand of Saul and he said. So this song was written on the heels of a very specific occasion that happened in David's life. Let me just take a moment and show you that. Can I do that for a moment? Again, if you have your Bibles, turn back in the Old Testament to the Old Testament narrative that's found in 2 Samuel chapter 22. I know you know this, and I know many of you have studied this before, but in, in 2 Samuel 22, here's the spot where David um, wrote this song, penned this song, sang this song in response to what happened. And I'm not going to take the time out of our schedule this morning to read all the way down through here, but let me start it for you too. Psalm, or excuse me, Psalm 18 is a reflection, it's a parallel passage to 2 Samuel chapter 22. Let me just show that to you, the beginning of that chapter, 2 Samuel 22. It says, then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song. There's verse 1, on the day that the Lord had delivered him from the hands of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul, and he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength and whom I will trust. 
my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you saved me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and so shall I be saved from my enemies. You can see, here's the song. And it's in English, it's a little different, but that's the same song, and it tells us about how David penned that words, those words, and how he, he wrote that song. Now, please do me a favor for a moment, and that is put something, uh, part of the bulletin or a sheet of paper or maybe even just your finger in back in 2 Samuel 22 for a moment, because I'm going to show you the occasion in just a moment. But I, I just wanted to highlight that reference, and we're going to get back to that, as I mentioned, just, just a second. Now go back with me to Psalm 18. Psalm 18. I, I understand that the Psalms are poetry. This is a song. I've talked to you about that already this morning. That's what it is. And it's very hard. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to turn a song, turn uh, a poem, if you will, into a linear outline like Americans are used to. But I'm going to take a stab at it this morning. And so I'm going to, out of this Psalm, I'm just going to share what I call action steps. Action steps that can teach us about our source of comfort during difficult times. So I'm going to, out of this song, I'm just going to show you or just identify, if you will, three action steps. And then as I mentioned, there's a place in there where we're going to go back and I'm going to show you what was happening back in 2 Samuel. Number one, quickly, number one. Number one, action step number one. Lean on the Lord for strength when confronted by enemies. We can lean on the Lord for strength when confronted by enemies. Let me just tell you a truth that comes out of this passage, I think. And that is, there are times in life where we will have enemies. David faced them. You know how uh, about a lot of the enemies that David faced. It talks here in the verses that I read, the information that I read about Saul, but you also know about nations that rose against the Israelites and, and, and the enemies that David faced. And so there are times when uh, in life there are enemies. Now we tend to look at that always as people, as people that rose up. I mean, the Apostle Paul did that too. At the end of Paul's life in 2 Timothy 3, he wrote about people like Alexander the coppersmith who did me much evil, 2 Timothy 3, and he wrote about, or 2 Timothy 4, and he wrote about how Demas has forsaken me, those people. And, and yet back here in this psalm, one of the things that I think that God wants us to understand is this, is that we can lean on the Lord for strength when we are confronted by our enemies. Let me just have you notice a few things, which is why I crafted the point that way. First of all, if you look at verse 3 with me, Psalm 18, verse 3. Psalm 18, verse 3 says this, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. We'll get back to the call in just a moment. And then he says this, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Drop down with me, if you would, to verse 17. We read that already, but I read that a moment ago. But read down to verse 17. It says this. He delivered me from my strong enemy. And then it goes on to say, from those who hated me. And then it says this. For they, will, for they were too strong for me. Lots of times in life, not only do we have enemies, not only do we have people who confront us or stand in our way, 
We'll talk about that for a little bit in a little bit. But we also have enemies, plural. We also have enemies that are strong, and we often have enemies who are too strong, which means that we don't have the ability. And so it's because of that, when we're faced with things, that we don't have the ability to fight. We don't have the ability to win, that we can call out and cry out to God, which is the same thing that David did here. I also mentioned the idea of lean on the Lord for strength when confronted by our enemies. Let me show you that from the passage too, the idea of confronted. Drop down to verse 18, it says this. They confronted me, they, plural, confronted me in the day of my calamity confronted or blocked the path. Isn't that what enemies do sometimes? We think, anyway, is that they keep us from doing what we want to do or maybe even sometimes what God wants us to do or that we believe that God wants to do and here's an enemy, here's something, someone that blocks our path, that confronts us, that doesn't let that happen. Those things happen in life. And then the end of that verse says this, but the Lord was my support, which means staff or something that we can lean on. And so out of this, point number one is this in our linear outline out of this song, is that we today can lean on the Lord for strength when we're confronted, when our path is blocked by whatever that would be, knowing that we can call unto the Lord. David did. We'll talk about that in a moment. And we can lean upon him, his support, his staff. We can, he is our staff. So we can lean on him for support during those difficult times. Okay, we get that, I think. And that all of that is there in Psalm 18. But remember a moment ago I asked you to keep your finger, put a little page back in. Second Samuel, to go back with me there. Let me just show you, and again, I know that this isn't new, that a lot of you understand the scenario of what was going on. But if you drop back with me to Second Samuel, I just want to show you a little bit about why David wrote those words, we can lean on the Lord for strength when we're confronted by our enemies. Because in Second Samuel 22, this is really profound. You ready for this? I know it's early on a Sunday morning, but this is really, really profound. You ready for this? 2 Samuel 22 comes after 2 Samuel 21. Yeah, wow. Somebody said, yeah, it's amazing. So look at the end, if you will, the last paragraph of uh, the story, the narrative in 2 Samuel 21. I was actually at Travis's and Casey's house this week, and I was talking to my granddaughters a little bit about the story. One of those enemies in David's life, certainly, was Goliath of Gath. I'm a big guy, but Goliath, my goodness, you know, nine, human, you know in American you know, language, he'd be nine feet tall. So, I mean, this, this huge enemy. Talk about block his path. I mean, Goliath was one of those enemies. But from this part of the story, and I know you know this, and I, I know you've read this before, but Goliath actually had a family. There was more of them. And if you look at 2 Samuel 21, I mean, again, you can read this paragraph, maybe start at verse 15 and read on down, but I'm just going to point out some things. There were actually the end of verse 18 that Goliath of Gath actually had some boys. And it turns out they were pretty big too. In fact, the end of um, 
verse 19, again, I'm not going to read through this just for time, but it's talking about a war. The nation of Israel was at war with the Philistines. And the end of verse 19 points out that there was a, one of these giants whose spear was like a weaver's beam. I mean, this guy was big. And his spear was that, was that big. And then verse 20 says, yeah, there was war at Gath and there was a man of great stature. And I don't understand all of this or even why the Lord would point this out, but he had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in number, in case you can't figure that out, 24 in number, and he was born to the giant and he defied Israel. And it says, then drop down to verse 22, those four were born of the giant and, and yet David won. Sometimes when we face enemies who block our path, and who confront us, sometimes it seems like they all come at once. I've often thought about that, the story of David and Goliath. Goliath comes out to challenge the nation of Israel. Send somebody out to fight me, right? Since when does the, does the world make up the rules? Again, I'm a big guy. I think I've, maybe I think about this with other people. How do you beat a big guy? How do you beat a big guy? Send a whole bunch of little guys, right? But the truth of it is there was more than one big guy. And it seems like when we're faced with difficult times, they gang up on us. And things seem big. And they block our path. I was uh, years ago traveling with our family. In fact, we, was, uh, we were living in Michigan and we were driving out here to Iowa. If you know the geography a little bit, we lived in the, in the Detroit area. And so we got in our car, the kids were little, my, my wife and I had three kids, that was back before the, all the laws for, you know, you know uh, car seats and all that, so kids just fight it out in the back seat, it's okay. And we were driving and uh, from Detroit, Interstate 94, right, south through Michigan, down around the lake, and it comes into south of Chicago, right, some of you have been there. And there, uh, Interstate 94 hits Interstate 80, hits Interstate 90. And I think every single interstate in the country comes together right there by Gary, Indiana, right? I, if you've been there, you understand. Every single interstate in the country comes together. And it's a city law. Uh, there has to be a traffic jam. <laughs> and there has to be construction. I mean, it has to be. And we got there one time. It was rush hour traffic. I'm sure it was... Uh, Good planning on my part, I'm sure it was. And we found out that traffic was backed up forever. I mean, miles. And I don't know about you, I get very antsy in traffic jams. It was like stop, 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 inch forward a little bit, stop, 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 inch forward a little bit. And it was that kind of thing for miles in this traffic jam. To this day, I don't know if I was talking to my wife and yelling at the kids or yelling at my wife and talking to the kids. I don't know. But I got distracted for a moment and didn't realize that the guy in front of me had stopped. And I didn't. Well, I did when I hit him. And uh, it was on the highway there in south of Chicago. And it was this classic fender bender type thing, no damage. My front bumper hit his back bumper. And he, you know, one of these numbers. And it was this hot, hot, hot rush hour summer day in traffic. And right when I'm there with my family, scared out of my mind, whenever you rear-end somebody, it's your fault, right? And I hit this guy right then on the interstate, and it's hot, hot summer day. 
I'm not kidding you. He throws his car into park, throws open the door, and comes running back at me on the highway. Traffic has stopped all around. His face is bright red. Sweat is just pouring down his face. By the time I'm sitting there in my air conditioning. By the time he gets back to me, I mean, his fists are clenched. He's swearing at me as loud as he possibly could, face red, sweat just pouring down. And I said to my wife, I said, you know, i got to get out and say I'm sorry to this guy. And she's like, no, don't go, don't go. You know, I'm, and I'm thinking he's going to kick my tires or something. I'm not sure what he's going to do. So there he is. I mean, he's right there by that time, swearing like crazy, face is red, sweating like crazy, fists are clenched, and he's right there. And so I put my car in the park and opened my door and got out and stood up. And I don't know how big that guy was, but he wasn't very big. <laughs> and he does one of these numbers to me. And his face turned stone cold white. The sweat started to go back up. <laughs> his fist opened up, and I'm not kidding you, he turned around and ran back to his car. I mean, like he's booking, and literally dives in. I wasn't in my mind, I, was think, I wasn't really thinking about all of this like happening, so I decided to follow him. <laughs> so I walk along and I get up to him and he, it's, he's got one of those old school cars. He's trying to crank up the window. He's trying to lock the door. He's got two hands going and finally he's in there. He's like, go away, go away. And right then, right then, and I'm standing right there by his car trying to still say I'm sorry to him. Right then I look around at all the other cars. We're watching this happen, all the other drivers. Everybody's going, hey. <laughs> and I thought about that a lot. He was all confident, he was all cocky, he was all tough stuff, you know, until he saw how big the guy was that hit him. And then he's running around in the other direction, scared out of his mind, running away. And I thought about that a lot. Humanly, David's reaction is probably, run away, run away. And yet David was willing to stand and fight, and I think here's why. I think it was because he knew he could call out to Almighty God. He knew where his source of strength came from. Psalm 18 talks to us about that. Let's talk about number two real quick. Number two in this passage is learn to cry to the Lord during times of distress. Learn to cry out to the Lord during times of distress. Let me show you why I put it that way as well. Look um, for a moment in verse 6. I love this verse in this passage. Psalm 18, verse 6 says this, in my distress. Let me just stop there for a minute. That word distress means narrow or tight. There are times in life when enemies block our path. And it seems like there's nothing we can do. And it seems like it happens over and over and over again. Goliath's kids were coming along over and over and over again. And then there's times in life where our world seems so tight, the distress, the tight, the pressure is just coming down. And actually, that's how David describes it here in this psalm. He says, in verse 6, he says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And then he says this, I cried out to my God. David knew who he could call out to. David knew who he could cry out to. And I love that verse, but let me tell you a little bit, let me show you a little bit about the distress that David was facing right then. And you can go back and 
read about the sons of giant, the sons of the giant, and, and you know, four, four of them, and so on, and, and the things that kept coming, kept coming, kept coming, kept coming, right? Here's what it says, the pangs, verse 4, the pangs of death surrounded me, and the floods, we know a little bit about that in Iowa, right? Floods. There's times where there's nothing you can do. That's how you feel, right? The pangs of death, we understand that. The floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The, shor- the sorrows of Shoal, the grave surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. If you go back, and we're not going to take the time to do that, to 2 Samuel uh, 22, he talks about the, that language. And keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Just a couple of weeks ago, my, my daughter and my wife and I took a little vacation. In fact, somebody, they, some people provided that for us, and we went out to... Uh, the ocean went to the beach in New Jersey. One of the days that we were there, we realized that, and I, I love the ocean, I love the beach, and I love the power, but one of the days we were there, there was actually a storm. I don't know if you've ever been to the shore, ever been to the beach, but there was a storm out in the Atlantic which made the waves uh, pretty powerful. Not like surfing, not like, you know, like South Africa, or those guys that do that, but... Uh, and I, I admit I'm a big guy, but I'm not as steady on my feet as I used to be. And I'm thinking, this would be great. And if, I was thinking, man, if Travis were there, he would love the waves or whatever. Except I was out in the waves, right? And as far as I dared to go, and one would hit me and almost knock me down. And I'm thinking, oh, that's fun. You know, I get up and one would hit me and almost knock me down. I'm thinking, well, that wasn't as much fun as the first one. And then the next one would hit me and I'm like, oh my goodness. And I, you know, I'm not real smart. The next one would hit me and I'm thinking I better go in. And even trying to go in, the the waves are hitting. They're sneaky buggers, those waves. (laughs) And they're hitting me from behind and literally knocking me down. And I'm looking up and, you know, everybody on the shore is laughing at this big guy who can't walk up. You know, and... But one after the other, one after the other, and he writes about that here. And he writes about the pangs, the floods, the sorrows, the snares. And it says it just hit, and it just makes us feel like tight and in this place of, of narrowness and distress. And there are times in life just like that. There are times in life where we're facing giants, and there are times in life where we're facing distress. It's important to learn the lesson that David is teaching us about here, and that is sometimes this, that there's nothing else we can do. We're not strong enough. We're not big enough. We're not powerful enough. There's nothing else we can do except cry out to our God. And that was the lesson David learned here. Humanly, I need to tell you a story about a man who taught me that. His name was Eddie. I was a youth pastor in Michigan. My first ministry, Eddie was a man in our church. Eddie had some disabilities. He was, when I knew him, he was in his 40s and he lived with his mom. And uh, Eddie was a creature of habit. Every Sunday morning, Eddie was my friend, every Sunday morning, he'd find me at one of the doors after the church service, and his mom would give him one page of a coloring book to color during the service, and that kept Eddie quiet, and he'd give me his scribbles at the end of the service. My office was lined by 
Eddie masterpieces. And Eddie was really proud of the fact that I would keep his drawings, scribbles, in my office. One time Eddie had congestive heart failure, and I went to see him in the hospital, and he'd panic and be afraid, and then I prayed out loud in intensive care, and Eddie would calm right down because he was a man, his mom taught him prayer works, and you can believe that God's going to answer prayer. And I went through a lot with Eddie. Eddie was my friend. I told you about that. And then there was the time that I went through a pretty serious health situation in my life. And I didn't even learn about this until way after the fact. One morning, Eddie got up for his bowl of cereal. Eddie was a creature of habit. He'd get up, have one bowl of cereal. He and his mom would go into their living room, and Eddie would get down on his knees and have his devotions and pray with his mom. Every day they did that. Eddie's having his cereal that morning, and Mrs. Olson, his mom, said, Eddie, when we pray today, we need to pray for Mel. He's not feeling well, and we need to pray for him. I found out later that at that moment, Eddie got up from his cereal left it there, went out in the living room, got down on his knees because he had to pray for Mel. And he got down on his knees and he prayed for me. For about the next eight hours, he didn't get up finish his breakfast. He didn't get up for lunch. You'd have to understand Eddie. He didn't get up to go to the restroom. He prayed for me. You had to understand Eddie. He didn't kick into King James language when he prayed. He didn't kick into fancy church language when he prayed. His prayer was like this. God, please help Mel. God, please help Mel. God, please help Mel. Over and over and over and over again for about eight hours. Folks, listen to me. Do you think there's any wonder I got better? I'll have guys like Eddie praying for me any day. Here's the moral of this Eddie story. Sometimes there's nothing else to do. There's nothing else we can do. Giants are blocking our path. Waves are hitting us, knocking us down time after time after time. Isn't that how life is? Isn't that how life is? And I think David wants us to understand that during those times when our, our path is blocked, during the time when there's distress in our lives, waves one after another hit us over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again that uh, there's nothing else we can do except cry out to God. And that's our third point. Our third point here, just quickly, is this. Look to the Lord to release his resources when we cry out to him. Look to God to release his resources when we cry out to him. Let me go back to verse 6 and 
my distress, verse 6 says this, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. It's interesting that those are different words. The word called there actually means loud and cry as the idea of help, (laughs) which makes a lot of sense. I thought about that in relation to the story I was going to tell you about my friend Eddie and so on, and he certainly cried out to God that day because he knew who he could cry out to. And David learned that here in this occasion in his life. And the occasion was the enemies. The occasion was the sons, the, the family of Goliath, and one giant after another, one giant after another, and the distress of one thing after another, and the waves that hit him, and so on. And I think David's lesson was that he can look to God, and sometimes that's all we can do, and God puts us in a situation like that this summer at our church we were doing in Clark Summit where I live. We were doing a series from the Sermon on the Mount on the Lord's Prayer. And it's where Jesus said to, or where the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And he gave them a model, not a manuscript. He gave them a model of how to pray. He certainly modeled for them how to pray. But one of the ways that I'm convinced that Jesus teaches us to pray is puts us in situations where we have to pray. Right? I've been... I've been in those a few times. Nothing else to do. Eddie didn't have any resources. David didn't have any resources. But you know something? The God of the universe does. And we can pray. And I love the account. You can almost visualize the account. In verse 6, says, In my distress, the tight place I called upon the Lord, cried out to my God. Verse 6 says, He heard my voice from his temple. My cry came before him, even to his ears. Verse 7 says, Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of the hills also quaked and were shaken because he was angry. What? Mel Walker's crying out to me. I'm going to take care of this. I mean, you can visualize what's happening here. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth and coals were kindled by it. And you can read all the way down through the uh, incredibly descriptive song that's there about how God released the resources of heaven. Now, folks, please understand. I mean, we've been around long enough, all of us, even the kids that are here, we understand that answers to prayer don't always look like this. But to realize that that's the God that we serve. That's the God that we can pray to. That's the God who loves us, that he can release, and he does release the resources of heaven because he loves us, because he wants to take care of this. And I love that about this story. And there's one other thing before we're done that I want, or about this point number three. And that is verse 19. After all of this song about the resources and the incredible power of Almighty God, that that is still the God that we serve that helps us today. Again, it doesn't always look that way, but those are God's resources, and He can release the resources of heaven for us as well if we cry out to Him. And then it says that in verse 19, He brought me out into a broad place, open, wide open, a broad place. Remember, the distress, the tight, the squeeze of life. You know, that day at the beach a couple weeks ago when I finally got to the shore, I was pretty thankful for solid ground. 
I don't think I was real solid for a few moments after that. But after a while, after the wave, psh, the waves hit over, waves over and over and over again, it feels pretty good to be on solid ground, to be in this broad place. And we can look to God to release his resources when we cry out to him. And there's one, there's one last thing that I love about this song. And that's the last phrase in verse 19 that I read to you already. He delivered me because he delighted in me. You know why God answers prayer? Because he wants to. He loves us. He sent his son the Lord Jesus Christ, to earth to die for us. He loves us that much. God delights it, delights in when we're at the place when there's nothing else we can do except cry out to God. Humanly, my goodness, I, at least I'm this way. Humanly, it's what can I do to get myself out of this? What can I do to fight this problem? What can I do to get, to get myself straight or whatever? And I think this psalm is a psalm that teaches us, no, cry out to God because really that's all we've got. We cry out to him and he has the ability to release the very resources of heaven. Why? Because he wants to. He loves us. He sent his son to die for us. That's the God that, that we serve and I love that about this song. We hope you enjoyed today's sermon. For more messages, visit firstfamily.church forward slash sermons. Thanks for listening.